Historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Okay, so this is going to be a quick one, uh, mainly because I am sleepy and there's really only two big things that happen. Uh, Big thing number one is that we get the big reveal of what the grand plan is. Uh, second is that we get the big reveal of the TNG doing TNG things and living their best TNG lives. Okay, so rapid fire recap. Boom, Dan opens the door in Jack's mind, but she won't tell him what it is. What did you say? Because she sees a fucking board cube and she's like, nope. And she goes out to tell Picard and Beverly and they figure out that what they thought was the aromatic syndrome was really a Borg organic nano bit. Some transceivers and receivers are organic and of course they are like shit and Picard is like it's all my fault my fault I'm gonna tell him and Deanna says there are protocols Jack ain't just Jack he could be a uh, bad Jack so when Picard goes to tell him there's two guards with him but Jack does the whammy on the guards because he's like y'all all suck and I'm gonna handle this myself Jack. now to the untrained eye this might look like a grown man throwing a uh, super powered man baby tantrum but it really makes a lot more sense when you think about it like it's a uh, science fiction uh, Lord of the Rings so the probes or whatever is like the it's like the one ring and Jack is like Frodo and of course the evil board queen is like the evil big eye in the sky so the nano ring has been uh like subtly influencing uh Frodo Jack Frojack the whole time and if uh like like if Frodo was in his right mind he never would have thought that his allies had betrayed him and he wouldn't have gone off uh to face the big bad all alone that's just like Jack this is my problem and I can handle it myself anyway uh, he uses his brain to take over the two guards, and, he, and then he takes a shuttle to go meet the board queen. All right, and, but back on the Titan, they just watch him go, and they're like, shit, and they figure out... Your son appears to be a transmitter. All right, now here's where all the pieces from the season fit together. They've been saying something is up with the transporters, and you should not use the transporters. Uh, turns out the changelings altered the transporters to rewrite the DNA of anybody who gets beamed uh, to and or fro, so they can get assimilated by uh, Jack Borg, Borg Jack transmissions. Also, they figure out that the bad guys are gonna unleash their big plan on front. I mean, they, they knew all that already, uh, which is finally here. All the ships in Starfleet are linked up to synchronize. So they'll send the signal out in one fell swoop. Everything goes according to the bad guy's plan. And uh, somewhere between the fireworks and the pumpkin pie, Jack meets the Borg Queen and he falls under her spell. And she's like, jump. And he's like, how high, my queen? And then she jacks him into the back of the neck like the Matrix. And all telepathic hell breaks loose. Okay, but here's the thing. The signal only works on people who are 25 years old or younger. This might not affect us. But it will affect the youngest members of the crew. Because their brains aren't done cooking yet. It's like how, you remember a few years ago, there were these stories about how convenience stores will play uh, like high-pitched sounds to keep teenagers from loitering at the stores. It's like that, 
except instead of stop loitering, the message uh, was the board. Loitering is futile. But anyway, the young members of the crew attack the old members of the crew, and that's on every ship. That's not just the Titan, that's every ship. Uh, but fortunately, uh, the Titan has more old folks on it than most ships do. But unfortunately... Uh, pour one out for uh, Captain Shaw. No, no. It's, it's not my ship anymore. It's yours. You have the colors. Seven of nine. So Seven and Raffi stay behind. The next generation team escapes, uh, but they need to have a ship that is not connected to the Starfleet Wi-Fi. Older, analog offline from the others. So it's time to see what's in Hangar Bay 12 and surprise, surprise, Enterprise. The Enterprise D. All the old fans are crying happy tears. Computer, initiate system reactivation procedures. Authorization acknowledged. USS Enterprise now under command of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, everybody is back in their position on the bridge. Megan Shaw, Isa, engage. As we prepare to bring this series and the other series that this series is based on, but not the series that that series is based on, to a uh, satisfying conclusion, fingers crossed. And that's where they leave it. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop podcast for reviews, discussion, examination, and speculation of all things Trek. My name is Scott Madison, and I hope we die quickly. Joining me on this episode, we have Neek Yeager. How are you? It's perfect, Jordy. Mm, it <laughs> certainly is. We have Tom Madison. How are you? It is not my fault we can't use the enterprise -y. <laughs> now I want a mini-series to explain that that line. We all deserve to know. And finally, we have Rick. How are you? We are Rick. Nice. I, <laughs> I, I, I will admit, I'm surprised that no one uh, introduced themselves with, I've never been so glad to see so many wrinkles. I did. If I, I bet if I had time to watch the show a second time before we recorded tonight, I would have come up with something better. But uh. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know this yet, I don't know why you wouldn't. But we are discussing Star Trek Picard season three, episode nine, titled "Vox," written by Sean Tretta and Kylie Rossiter, directed by Terry Metalis. As we do every week going to go around the table and we're going to get uh, everyone's general thoughts and feelings about this episode. Uh, mine are uh, fairly fairly short, so I'm just going to throw them out there. I didn't love how the episode was starting, but once it got over a an, it, a hump that I cannot quite describe, I can't put my finger on it, but there was some invisible invisible point in the episode where once it got past that it took off like a shot and I almost couldn't take notes because even on my second viewing I was so wrapped up in it really enjoyed the later probably about half of this episode 
I had some issues with the first, and we'll get to that. Uh, going in reverse, Rick, what did you think of this week's episode? I have no complaints about this one, which is nice to say after a couple of uh, less than stellar episodes. Um, I'm not quite sure the message they were trying to get across with, with the, 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 the beginning, uh, with it just being the people under 25 and and how old is that Vulcan must be like a practically a teenager. But anyway, um, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I loved uh, uh, Jack finally just being sick of everybody's shit. Um, I and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll when we talk about the fan service, I was just a blubbering mess like most people. Uh, even more so than I expected to be at certain points. Um, they really dug deep into the into the bag of uh, of nostalgia for this one, and I'm all there for it. I cannot disagree. Tom, how did you feel about this week's episode? Oh, it was just a, a wonderful time watching it. Um, there's questions, of course, but it just yeah it hit hit all the buttons. So. And finally, Neek, what did you think of this episode? I mean, you know, TNG is my track. And so what can I say? Yeah, I was just a, a blubbering mess. I, I was in a pool of tears. It was amazing. It, it, it was even without the ending, it was better than the previous two episodes. So it was enjoyable. It was good. I mean, as always, there are nitpicks, but mm -hmm. um, yeah the the ending was so strong and i mean very manipulative but i'm here for yes. it you know, yes yes i'm here for it like i i don't mind pander to me give me that enterprise d that's what i want <laughs> <laughs> uh, gentlemen behave can't, can't, can't. i i can't with this all right let's Let's dive in. We will we will begin at the beginning. This episode opens exactly where we were at the end of last episode with Deanna taking Jack on a little mind walk into his subconscious to take a look at the red door. Um, it's it's some uh, overly poetic descriptions of the 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 crimson arboretum that that Beverly took him to and how he saw it and how that uh, relates to the red vines that he's been seeing for most of the season. Deanna opens the door and I, yeah, I'm, I'm not paying attention to a whole lot of what was said during that scene because it's less important. What's more important is Deanna opens the door to see what's behind it. She sees what's behind it. And while she began the conversation with, you're not alone, I'm here with you. She opens the door, and the first thing she does is, Wing. Dad, you are alone. I am out of here. <laughs> little little dust clouds that. behind her. Literally <laughs> runs from the room with him shouting, what did you see? She would leave a silhouette of her body through the door, you know, cartoon style. It's... It's an example. Well, it's a it's a really bad example of, of counseling, and you would think that someone who has been doing it as long as she has would would realize the damage that she is doing by getting up and leaving. 
Now, at the same time, yes, what she saw is very frightening, especially considering the history that all these characters have with the Borg. To see a Borg cube hidden in his mind, yeah, it's going to be terrifying. But so terrifying that you're going to get up and run away? I don't know. It, it might be just more of a funny, wow, she's a counselor and she just left. But maybe it's a little bit understandable. I don't know. It's it's hard to find that balance because I just kind of laugh at it for the preposterousness of it. I agree. It was a little overdone. Her, you know, running in fear because I do think Deanna is a little bit more in control of herself and would be able to, you know, calmly extricate herself from that situation. But I like that she made a decision very quickly that like my priority is not this kid my priority is the rest of the universe and she's correct in that her priority is to starfleet and the federation and all the non-federation worlds that could potentially eventually be affected by this and she made the right call mm-hmm. it it's too easy and I'm, I'm realizing this based on, on what you just said. It is too easy to view the scene as she got so scared by the Borg that she had to leave because she was freaking out. When, if they had, if the writers or the director had found, and I don't have any suggestions, but found something, one little thing that they could have done to make it clear that she is hauling ass out of the room to inform the others of what's happening so they can figure out how to fix it. Well, that's how, how I read it. Fight it. I didn't read it as her being terrified. I read it as her being like, I've got to do something about this. Right. And I read it as she was terrified. So for the slow readers like me, they need to add a little something <laughs> to make it a little more obvious. Well, that's yeah, what no, you got I, me I for. Didn't, I didn't think she was scared. <laughs> I thought it was unprofessional as hell. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, there might have been a better way to say, um, just hang on a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> here, here, play with some more red flowers. Um <laughs> What did you see? Um, I'm not sure yet. Please just wait here. I will come back. So, something. I don't know. It's, that's less important. There's a lot more important stuff that's, that's coming up in this episode. Well, so and, that- the, and the other, the other <clears throat> problem I have with it is that, um, you know, she, she opened the door. So unless, unless like, like what you said, Nick, if she just at that point was like, Jack, you are irrelevant. We have a bigger problem than your feelings. You know, he did exactly what she allowed him to do, which was, oh, well, I'll go look. And I I think she left the situation a little uncontrolled. Um, But again, you know, we all, as we age, kind of maybe don't make the right decisions or the, the, you know. I I think one of the, the things the show is showing us uh, although I don't think Jordy has done anything yet, but we've seen a lot of these characters trying to act like they used to, and it not always working the way it used to. So mm-hmm. maybe that was, you know, Deanna was like, I'm going to swing to the rescue and then just leave the dangerous bomb sitting there looking at its own fuse kind of thing. Well, I, in, in her defense, once she broke that connection, he, he can't see what's behind the red. He hasn't been able to control these visions. He hasn't really... 
he hasn't wanted to open the door, but I don't think he would have been able to anyway, because he just gets glimpses of it in these little, like, vision flashes that he has. Uh, so, without her, I don't think he's... I don't think he was able to try to look to see what she saw. I think he was just kind of stuck wondering. Okay, then... Re- er, uh, I- Admit it, I, like I said, I haven't been able to rewatch the episode. Didn't he just go and say, all right, well, let's see what it is and open the door? No, he had to wait for Picard to come in and tell him it was the board. Oh, he that's right. That's right. He didn't know okay. until that point. You're right. I, I, I retract my former <laughs> statements. And, and that scene is what I want to go on to next. Because the first thing that Deanna does is she goes to uh, Picard and Beverly and tells them what was behind the door. And... Now, they're both freaked out, and they don't know how the Borg could have a connection with him. They talk through that a little bit, and they decide, okay, he he needs to know what Deanna saw. And Picard says, I'll tell him. It's my responsibility. It's all my fault. Deanna stops both of them and says, I'm sorry, there are protocols. He is dangerous now. We have to consider him dangerous. You can't just go and tell him what's going on because there's a risk, and, and there are there are protocols, probably protocols specifically for board contact that they have to follow. Which goes entirely out the window in the very next scene because the next thing we see is Picard going into that room by himself. No, but the protocols was to have the two guards outside the door. That is a weak-ass protocol. But Indeed. then again, this is Starfleet security we're talking about, so yeah. it's Very consistent, course. yeah. It, <laughs> to allow him to go into the room alone, the the officer who Starfleet wouldn't allow to attend their their Sector 001 Borg battle party because they thought that he was a risk to the fleet in first contact. He's going to go into the room alone with this potential Borg sleeper agent. It should have been, instead of someone going to him, it should have been Jack being brought to sickbay so Deanna and John Luke and Beverly could all talk to him together while fixing him up with some neural dampeners in a force field, something. Point of order. Rick, go ahead. This ship is still a fugitive. No one on the ship outranks John Luke. Who the hell is going to stop him? I would hope every member of his old senior staff who he knows and trusts and would be able to talk a little bit of sense into him. Him going into that room was a horrible idea from the jump, and he should have been smart enough to know that. An, um, another thing that they have, another point or, or theme or, or whatever that this se- this season has been showing is that parents don't always make the rational decision where, where their children are involved. And Jean-Luc has been a dad for all of, what, three days? And I can tell you from experience, the beginning of fatherhood is when you're most likely to go, the world, I'm doing anything to save my kid. Um, you know, it eventually mellows out, you, you know, and you get to, you know, no, you can't have the car this weekend, go to your room. But at first, you know, when that new, that new kid smell is still around, <laughs> um, you know, no one's going to tell you what to do. And this is Jean-Luc Picard. No one tells him what to do anyway without there being serious pushback. I really doubt there was anyone on that ship that could stop him from going in there. 
without physically restraining him, and nobody was going to do that. I'm wondering if maybe they should have, because it didn't take long. I'm not the, saying it was the this, right choice. I'm just saying and, it. I, and I, I get that. I get that. I, I, I don't read this as a defense from you, just as, as, as a different take. And I, I think another reason why I'm bothered by the scene is not just that he goes and talks to Jack by, by himself. I'm also bothered by Jack, because as much as I haven't loved Jack this season, this was Jack at peak insufferable. Oh my god. I just wanted to punch him. He was more aggravating in this scene than I have ever seen him this season. Picard walks in. Jack says, what did she see in my head? I counted. Jean-Luc got five words out in his sentence before Jack just starts talking. Not even in response to what Jean-Luc is saying. He just starts rambling off. uh, I'm not letting a Betazoid come near me again. Uh Uh-uh. No, this is bad. I'm unhappy about this and, and... Blah, blah, blah. Now tell me what she saw. It To interrupt someone who's trying to answer you and then get upset that they're not answering you, that's character behavior that always gets under my skin. Because it's so much like real world behavior. It's too close. I don't like it. Um, well, that's it. I mean, it's very, it's very much like a, you know, a self-centered 20-year-old. But I also wonder if... Are we meant to read it like he's just a bratty kid or is the queen already in his head at that point? And like, all you know, because he was getting, like you said, he was more erratic than he had ever been. Mm. And it was just increasing and increasing and increasing. And I wonder if like Deanna had opened the door enough that, you know, that even though he didn't know it was the board, he was still a bit of the programming was coming in. And so he was already in that mode of like, I've got to go to those coordinates. A little bit more influence from it, possibly. <clears throat> and I I think I had that thought uh, at some point during the scene, but his constant yelling and belly aching about it, followed by the absurd notion that Jack, upon finding out, oh, so... The, the Borg have their have their hooks in me a little bit. Well, I'm going to go and take out all the Borg. I definitely read that as him being part of the programming. Like, all, he was so delusional because of... that he was already under the influence of the Queen. That's how I read that. Because, indeed, I mean, it's such a stupid, arrogant thing to say that I, I have to believe that that he was already too far gone, that the programming was already well, I mean, you could argue the programming was effect once he was born, but like I said, the door was open enough at that point that she was, she crept in enough that like he was just fixated. He could not see reason and whatever he's got to say to, mm. to get out of that room and to get on that shuttle. He, he had his mind set on going and, and that's what was going to happen regardless, which it, it does help the scene a little bit if I try to go back and view it as, ah, he was being affected by the Borg the entire time. That's why he was acting this way. Um, it, it's better than being forced to believe that this is just how the writers wrote the scene. Okay, Jack's can, Jack is going to be, uh, his, his anger is going to be turned up to 100, and that's where it's going to stay the entire scene. While at the same time, Picard is going to completely forget how to be in any way empathetic or supportive. Because almost nothing that he said was designed to try to calm Jack down, to reassure him, look, 
I'm here, your mom is here, this entire crew is here to look out for you. We're going to figure this out, and you're going to be okay. Well, Picard wasn't Picard wasn't doing a lot of that, and I know that's not his strong suit, but this might have been a time to you know maybe try something new, maybe try a little bit of reassurance, maybe try some direct answers. Yes, there is there is an element somewhere in 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 your mind, and we haven't quite tracked it down, but it does have something to do with the Borg. We don't know how it got there, but we're going to find it. We're going to track it down, and we're gonna we're gonna get it out. We're gonna help you. Not a whole lot of that was happening. I got two things to say to that. One, if Neek is right, and I'm I'm leaning towards, I, I like your take on that. Well, it's because she's always right. <laughs> if if Jack's behavior is being influenced by the Queen, and the whole point of it is to get him to come to her, who's to say she has not been influencing what's left of Locutus? Mm. Now, granted, he's not. You know, that he's he's the 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 synth version of that, but. If if the golem was recreating Picard down to the nano level, I don't I don't remember if they if they said it was a perfect copy or whatever, but maybe there's enough of his original template that she's able to nudge him a little bit too and get him to piss Jack off to the point where he leaves the ship. I I think with the discussions that they had regarding uh, the coding that the Borg had left in his original brain with that being the, you know, the mistaken diagnosis for earmonic syndrome, the, I felt that it was pretty clear the way they were laying it out that the Borg no longer have a hold on Picard because it was, it was a, a physiological thing. And right now it's a completely new Picard body, you know, synthetic body, positronic brain. The only thing from the original Picard is just the, the neural patterns, but none of the, none of the architecture, which is where the Borg had left their seed. Then the other the other thing is that they've been showing since season season one that Picard sucks at being a human being. He's a great starship captain, but he he kind of isn't all that great at being a person. Yeah, his people skills are a little bit iffy. Though, I will say my my favorite part of this scene between Picard and Jack was when Picard was at his most human, at his most person, when when he was recounting and and reliving his experience as Locutus, and he was telling Jack, I came close to destroying uh, everyone I ever knew, everyone I loved. The, the way he delivers that line, everything I loved, whew, I had shivers with that one. He he nailed that particular portion of the scene and I thought it was beautiful. And then I, uh, John is going to be putting in some, some Mario coins here. And I, I apologize because in my notes, I'm just quoting Jack. Uh, when Jack turns around, grabs his phaser and says, I can handle it myself. <laughs> you, you can't handle it yourself. That's ridiculous. The door opens, the security guards are there. And, Jack shouts to Picard, you said you'd never give up on me. F*** you, he's not. <laughs> and finally at the end, what about the protocols of a father? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> now he's just being ridiculous with his, with his anger towards Picard. Which I suppose is what they were trying to accomplish with the writing in the first place. So, so kudos to them. 
and and again, at the risk of repeating myself, um, and also of playing into the jokes from a few episodes ago, have you ever met a twenty-three-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> I try to avoid those memories whenever possible. The, the, but the point, and again, this is where the 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 casting of a dude in his thirties, which never worked, even in the fifties when they did it all the time, um, is working against the character. If they had a kid in his 20s playing Jack, a lot of what he just did, while I wouldn't say makes perfect sense, is in keeping with that character, is in keeping with the mindset of a 22 or 23-year-old adult male who mm. thinks that they can take on the entire freaking board collective because, God damn it, I'm Jack Crusher. I, I did have that thought as well. I had forgotten it when we started the show, but yeah, that has occurred to me as well. Like, you know, maybe if he was actually younger, it wouldn't seem so so silly. Uh, uh, Tom, we've been talking a lot about this scene, and before we move on, did you have anything that you wanted to add into it? No, I mean, we, we talked about you know Jack's anger. Just you know, I, I, I my thoughts line up with everyone else. Gotcha. Um, moving on to, uh, I lost my place in my notes. Um, okay, we get to. Well, next up we have Picard uh, in in the observation lounge with Beverly after Jack warps away in a shuttle. I I was really hoping that we were going to get some indication that the crew anticipated that Jack was going to just find a way off the ship and try to go handle this problem himself. So they like maybe added a second transponder to the shuttle or did something, did something that would allow them to follow him. But no, I don't, again, as Neek said, protocol must be, oh, two security guards against a guy who can control minds. I think we're set. I mean, to be fair, every single person on that ship was under 25. So Jack was able to control all of them. So if they had put, I don't know, a transponder or whatever, he could have just like mind control them to deactivate it or something. Yeah, that, that, that's true. It, a lot, everyone on that ship, of all the people on that ship, after offloading a bunch of the crew to um, uh, shoot, what was Rose's ship? I forget, I forget what ship that the Intrepid, uh, offloading a bunch to the Intrepid, and then a mass slaughter by Vatic and her people. And there's still so many youngsters on this ship. A, a ton of them. Not a single old and a, a billion youngs. All right. A lot, lot, lots of people. They, they must have been hiding in some clever places to, to miss <laughs> the evacuation and the slaughter. Yep. Uh, so Jack gets away, Picard and Beverly in the observation lounge. She says, I'm going to go figure out something that I can do. Picard's all alone. Data comes in. Beautiful moment between Data and Picard. This was a scene more than the scenes that we've gotten with Brent so far, where it becomes clear that while he has uh, the, the, the memories and the sensibilities of Data, he Spiner is making the effort to not sound like data when he talks he is speaking in a much more natural much more brent manner not just with the contractions but with his intonations as well um he asks if he could say something comforting picard says probably not so data just puts a hand on picard's shoulder and looks at him 
with empathy. And it was one of, I, I'm going to end up considering it one of the great Data Picard moments of of their respective uh, character lives. It, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was great. I that was my first first tier. Mm, yeah. And I you know and and I, I've been griping about data being in this season all along, but that that you're right, that was a that was a wonderful scene. And data's not done yet because he's got another couple great moments coming up. But that's for later. Next we have Jordy calling and saying, Hey, we got more bad news, come to Sick Bay. So they gather in sick bay, and that's when they reveal Jack has this uh, you know, Borg code within him. Th this is when we start getting into a lot of the science talk and a little bit of of some light techno babble. So it was hard for me to really follow every single turn on this particular track. But they figure out that Jack is essentially a Borg transmitter, and what Jack inherited from Picard is what the changelings extracted from Picard's brain so they can weaponize it and use that as a receiver, which they, at, at this point, they don't know how they have uh, used it to infiltrate Starfleet. That's going to come in a few scenes. But what they have figured out is all this ties in with their plan for Frontier Day, which is about to start. And Jack is part of it, and we know it's the Borg. This is a big problem. Then Picard has to call the bridge and tell Shaw, we need to get to Earth right away. Not telling him why. Not telling him what the problem is. Shaw should have been in that meeting. There's no two ways about it. Shaw should have been in that meeting in sickbay, so he knows what's going on. So when they say, we need to get to Earth, Shaw's like, yes, we do. Well, Shaw's been sidelined a lot. Um, he he has. I I was hoping that they would, you know, finally try to make the effort. So you know what? Please join us in this meeting. It's about time. You you you've earned a seat at the table. And I on mean, your ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd say his attitude there has been uh, kind of justified. You know, with the way that he's been bossed around on his own ship and back and forth with who actually is in command of it um but you know when, when it finally was pointed out to him early in the season that hey you know you this is happening we've got to deal with it you know he stepped up and he's been playing ball you know mm -hmm. you know put himself at risk and everything else but he's you know he's despite not wanting to you know blow a lot of things up he's, he's been yeah participating. He, yeah, he, he has been taken part. And while I did not take his response to Picard as trying to not go along with that plan, it, it just seemed like they're keeping him on the sidelines, so he's, he's going to get a little bit snarky with them and point out, this is why the plan is insane. And when Picard says, we don't have a, a, another option, he's like, well, of course we don't. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to go to Earth. I'm just making sure that you all know how how dumb this is because we're all going to die. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed how Shaw played that moment. It just reminded me that they should have been involving him a little bit more. Yep. I, I do have one question about the Titan. Um, it's, it's not a big ship. 
particularly, but it does seem to have at least double the crew complement of a galaxy class. <laughs> because the changelings killed a lot of them. <laughs> There's still a bunch yeah. of people around. The, the changelings killed a lot, and I, I think you might have been out of your chair when we said this, but what they evacuated a lot of the crew to the Intrepid when, yeah. when it arrived. The, this is... The writers of this season are treating the crew of the Titan the way that the Voyager writers treated shuttlecraft. <laughs> How many do you have? As many as we need for the scene. <laughs> they just they just multiply. It's a it's a it's a ship of holding. <laughs> you reach in, there's always more crew members. Every time you reach in. Uh, now it's time for Frontier Day. The Finally. Titan, the Titan is on their way. <laughs> and we get... For some reason, my Alexa speaker just started talking. <laughs> I have no idea what she said. Sorry. We get to Frontier Day, and we have the new space dock because the original space dock is now the Fleet Museum. We now have the new and improved big space dock. And they open the doors, and, oh, that beautiful Odyssey-class Enterprise F. I love that design. I've that been is seeing... ugly from the front, though. It wasn't until the profile. I was like, all right, that's fine. But, man, is it hideous from the front. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I've been seeing that Enterprise since I started playing Star Trek Online several years ago. So to see that design now canonized, put on screen in an actual Star Trek property, looking better than ever. Because, you know, Star Trek Online is good, but the game is free to play. It's not like they have the, the budgets of, like, say, Blizzard. But it still looked good in the game. It looks even better on, on screen. I thought I, it was gorgeous. I like the profile. I, I think the, the forward view is chonky <laughs> chonky and we get the, the big reveal what does everyone think of this Admiral Elizabeth Shelby second tears <laughs> it was for multiple reasons a beautiful callback I really enjoyed that uh, uh, Tom, Tom Neek what do you think I agree yeah I thought it was great yeah it was perfect to have her there for the Borg moment. I mean, they 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 pointed it out, like the irony of her being in that situation and talking about like, yay, unity and we, communism. We got, but, we got our fleet yeah. formation program that's going to make all the ships talk to each other. And the the video on Trek culture discussing this episode pointed out that and while we're still a little bit unclear as to the exact timeline between the different uh, series that are running concurrently, the debacle with the Texas-class AI ships, uh, coupled with the, the, the horror that was wrought with the living construct in Prodigy, You'd think that maybe they would realize it's not the best idea to have all your ships network together in this way. Did, have they have they even seen Battlestar Galactica? So maybe that's what the changelings were for, because 
I did wonder several times, why did the Borg need the changelings to affect this plan? Like, but maybe their infiltration was more to pull strings in Starfleet to get various things going, and it wasn't just about putting the virus, the whatever Picard Borgo virus in the transporters. I mean, I took it as the the changelings were essentially hired as mercenaries because the Borg needed actual boots on the ground support to physically put that DNA coding into the transporter systems. Right. They they needed hands on in order to put that into the hardware. That's that's the way I took it. And once that was in there, and everyone in Starfleet on these ships for the past like week, every transporter they go through, it's it's putting that into their yeah in, into their bodies. Then the Borg can remotely just flip a switch, and now everyone's assimilated. But I'm, but yeah, but now I'm wondering if I- indeed they they also serve the purpose of you know replacing the higher ups in Starfleet so that they could green light that uh, whatever hive mind fleet thing. Yeah, and also a good point because something that I don't I don't think this has been mentioned in the season so far is how long this changeling infiltration has been going on. Indeed. No, I- I thought about that because it, I mean, you mentioned a week, you know, over the timeline of the season, it had to have been a lot longer. And I know they mentioned that infiltrator on the Titan had been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the one week was how long they've had to put the, uh, the, the Borg infected DNA sequence into the transporters, because that's when they stole the body from Daystrom was about a week ago. Well, and right. yeah, the, the infiltration has been going on longer, but that plan with Picard's brain has only been going on for about a week. All right, so I'm trying to picture when we've seen any, pretty much anyone on the Titan having to use the transporter. So, not often. Yeah, but. A lot of them did use the transporter when they were getting sent over to the Intrepid. That's yeah, but then they were at, they were in, then they were on the Intrepid and they weren't on the Titan anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah I so, mean, they'll, they'll still be Borgified, but just on a different ship. That also yeah. explains why <clears throat> Vatic would only use a shuttle. Mm-hmm. And Roe too, if she had. Well, no. I mean, again, timelines just don't match up, and that's actually been one of the issues that I had uh, with this this episode: the timelines of. I mean, how long has this infiltration been going on that they've been doing the transporter modifications? It would have to have been a lot longer because of for the crew to be infected, like um, Sydney LaForge, for example. I can't picture where she would have had to use a transporter for anything unless it's like in a discovery where they're using it just to get from one side of a door to the other. (laughs) Yeah, they they do use those transporters pretty freely. So I need to go to engineering. Hold on a second. I had had the feeling that the the transporter thing had been going on for a long time, too. But, like Scott just mentioned, they didn't take Car's body that long ago, so... Yeah. 
I, th this is, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm starting to think that this was a, a miscalculation by the writers. But wait. Um, our, the, the TNG people only discovered that Picard's bio body was taken like a week ago, but does that mean that that's when it was taken? Because it was, right, as soon as the season started, they already had the body. Because Rassi was... was trying to investigate what did they steal from Daystrom, and she thought it was that portal weapon, but it turns out it was Picard's body. So what was, did they ever say how long ago that thing had been stolen? Like the the time between the actual theft and when we see Rafi's investigation of it in the first episode. Yeah, I I don't think they ever said. If they said, I have since forgotten. But I got the feeling that it was pretty recent because well, this is this is a recent theft and and Rafi's on the case. I guess we'd so, have to go back and rewatch to figure so out the exact probably, timeline. Yeah, probably longer than a week. But I wouldn't think it's been like it's it's not like they've been doing it for years, but. Perhaps the Changeling infiltration helped to steer Starfleet. Perhaps the infiltration has been going on long enough that they were able to steer Starfleet in the direction of designing the fleet formation program. Well, and also, if you have enough uh, infiltrators in high enough positions, the, the, the virus is software, as far as the transporter is concerned. So mm -hmm. they get the code, they get the code from Picard's brain. And then they send it to all of their operatives who then download it into every transporter in the fleet. And with subspace relays and stuff, you know, a month is probably plenty of time to infect every ship in the fleet with this with this Borgo Scooby stuff. Right, but that's not necessarily <laughs> enough to infect all the crew because if you're spending that entire month on your ship, you're not transporting anywhere. Yeah. Unless you're going on away missions, which we've not, we don't know if the Titan goes on away missions often, but. But if Admiral, if Admiral Bozo says, all right, I need to meet with every captain over the next month and you're going to beam over to my ship, that's all it takes. It's, it's mm -hmm. like the game, only not as, not as, uh, never mind. <laughs> but, it, you know. It, infect I, two friends and they infect two friends and so on and yeah. so I'm I'm going to play Neek for a second and say I think this is the point where we need to move on from the topic it it really seems to me like the, the writers and the producers said this this is the architecture for the plan that the Borg are putting in place don't sweat the details just just trust us just go with it all the, all the young all the youngins are infected and i'm not i'm not telling i'm not trying to say rick just go with it just relax no that's not what i'm saying i think that the producers are saying this is how it is don't ask too many questions just enjoy the show i'm just saying i don't think it's as inconsistent as you think it is <laughs> ah, no, fair fair enough but you're uh, right time to move on yes definitely <laughs> well tom was in the middle of something and we talked over that was rude oh, tom, i was just go. gonna make a this is uh the equivalent of the pasteur doing the tachyon beam not the enterprise. <laughs> Oops. Touche. Now go on. <laughs> Smart remark provided. Question. Yep. Not 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 on the same issue, but a tan slightly tangential. Do you think we're ever going to find out who floating Baconhead was, or are we done with that now? Um, I don't know if they're going to make it clear explicitly. 
but I have zero problem just assuming that it was the queen. I agree. I, I now am taking it to be the queen, but I don't understand why it was a floating bacon head and why it had to be cut out of Vatic's hand. And I also don't understand why Vatic was so desperate to get Jack. Like, if if the if the the setting him off or whatever could be done remotely, why why did she need to get him physically? But that's if, if he could be set off remotely. And that's just a theory of ours. We don't know that that was happening. And even if it is Borg influence that's making him uh, take himself to the collective, can't necessarily rely on that. What if he's not as clever as he thought? What if security or uh, the TNG crew were actually smart enough to take steps to keep him there? Vatic would have guaranteed, if she had gotten her hands on Jack, would have guaranteed that Jack makes it back to the Collective. And yeah, I'm, assu- I'm assuming that if she had succeeded in that plan, then in turn, the Borg were, would... They're going to help destroy the Federation, which is what the Changeling uh, Renegades want. But I, they probably would have set the Renegades up with a with a cool planet, maybe Luna, where they can set up their, their own uh, link. They're, they probably had great rewards in store once the Borg won, but they're, they're all dead now, so who cares? I'm, I'm hoping that we have yet to see what Jack's purpose in all this is. I, there's there's got to be, I, I hope there's got to be more to it than they just want him in Unimatrix 0 or Unimatrix 1 or whatever it is. Um, well, I think for the Borg, Jack is Jack is the method through which they they transmit the the activation code that assimilates all the rest. Because the the youngsters on the crew didn't start assimilating until after Jack got plugged in. And Jordy had said that Jack was was a a transmitter. Jack is what the Queen is using to transmit the activation code to begin the assimilation process. And I'm I'm bracing myself for next episode where Picard will find some way to communicate with Jack and he's going to tell him how much, yes, I know I just met you, but I do love you. You are my son. And then Jack is going to fight his way through the Borg Queen's control and he's going to overpower and he's going to beat the Borg Queen and then everyone is going to be saved by the power of love. And then I throw up. Yeah. But I'm prepared because... You're this probably is te- right, but I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be the power of love. We've had so much of that lately in Star Trek. This serious thing. <sighs> this snot-nosed 34-year-old 20-something <laughs> should not be able to overpower the Borg Queen with his mind. Well, if, let's not complain about that until it's happened. So let's I, move on to I, your next note. I am preempt. I am uh, preemptively complaining. I, I do apologize. <laughs> um, next up. Well, the next scene that I have in my notes is Jack. It's him uh, having arrived. He's on the board cube. He's walking his way through. The queen is talking to him and they finally come face to face. I loved that. They, they took their time 
Whereas all season, when we've been hearing that voice in Jack's head, Jack, find me, it's been Beverly's voice. But once he realizes it wasn't you, it was her, they start shifting it. And it wasn't all at once. It took a couple scenes before it fully shifted to Alice Krieg's voice. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. I, I, I did not expect to enjoy hearing her voice as the Borg Queen again as, as much as I did. I was surprised by, by how good it felt to have that voice back again. I was surprised we didn't see her. And it makes me worry that we're not going to see her next week either. It makes me worry that she only provided a voiceover and did not get into the makeup. I actually, like, as much as it'd be cool to see her, I think it makes more sense if you don't, if a different actress plays the queen. Because, I mean, we know the queen is not an actual person. The, the queen is whatever drone is available in that moment mm. on whatever ship whoever's talking to the queen so it actually makes more sense for always to be a different actress portraying the queen so i like that they use her voice because sure the board can sound like whatever they want to sound like but it should never be the same face because that particular drone queen died however many years ago mm -hmm. that that body has i think that that body that face has been destroyed twice now because there was first contact, yeah. and then they, they got Alice Creek to come back in Endgame. Mm. Whereas it had been Suzanne Thompson uh, during Voyager, but at the end of Voyager, they went back to Alice. Mm -hmm. um, as she is talking to Jack and basically saying, you know, come join me, we'll rule, we'll rule together as... We'll, it's a whole Darth Vader thing. Uh, but she's giving the speech, and she says that they will... Um, you know, finally bring order to these people who live their lives as shattered glass. I thought that was a great line. Just a little note. I really enjoyed that line. That's when Jack shows up. He levels his phaser at her and, and says, one thing I do believe in is mercy. And that's what this is. And then he proceeds to uh, in no way handle the situation. <laughs> but he does scream really loud. And then he puts down the phaser and just lets himself get borgified. To which I put in my notes, well, Jack, you sure showed her. <laughs> in uh, Memory Alpha, there's summary. It says that Jack screams in impotent rage at his predicament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kid got what he deserved. So the, the question is, was it a that he couldn't do anything was that being forced upon him by the board with you know either his yeah transmitter receiver or was it just him not being able to do it no it oh no to me that was super clear that he was under the influence like he gets onto the shuttle and he knows what coordinates to go to because the queen's already in his head by the time mm. he gets gets to the the Unimatrix, yeah, he's fully under her influence. She's letting him walk up to her. Yeah. When he, when, he raised, when he raises the phaser and he cannot fire, all I was thinking of was um, uh, Directive 4 in RoboCop. Am, am I right? Again, I, I apologize, folks, because I, I really wanted to watch this one again, but I just literally did not have time. Yeah, how does, dare you? Does, 
does she say something along the lines of if you could hurt me, I wouldn't have let you in here with a loaded phaser or something like that? Or am I remembering? So it was this, a different it show. was essentially um, if if you were going if you were able to kill me, you would have already. Yeah. Yeah. If it were possible for you to kill me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's right. By the way, we, we kind of skipped over it. But just the, you know, the ship wonking me that shuttle design. It looks like a freaking hand phaser, and it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, the, the the new shuttle design is very sleek, and uh, very very uh, very warp capable as well, which I, I I assume is just the new normal. We had a, a few warp capable shuttlecrafts in uh, in TNG as well. Well, that little Volkswagen one they gave Scotty better be, or he's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh and that that everyone marks uh, the end of Jack for this episode and this is absolutely the point where from from this moment to the end of the episode I love it Uh, next up uh, according to the notes uh, sickbay figures out that this assimilation protocol that has been seeded throughout the fleet doesn't propagate in beings over a certain age which in humans is 25 they don't specify any other species but in humans it's 25 because that's when the was i think the 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 frontal cortex stops developing i was a little surprised that they didn't immediately communicate that to the bridge at at first i was going to be annoyed that uh shaw is giving mura an order and he's not following it and it's like, well, clearly he's being assimilated. Why are you just standing there and staring? But then I realized it's because no one on the bridge knows that the young kids are susceptible and anyone over 25 is not. But that's when we learn what's happening with, with the assimilation. And then the assimilation begins. And all the youngsters on the bridge are starting to change. And still, even, even though they don't know that it's just the young people, it does take our heroes, Shaw and Riker and Picard and Seven, it does take them quite a long time to figure out what's going on and to actually do something about it. They are just kind of standing around for a little bit too long. Okay. Just me? Yes. Okay. What, 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 are they gonna, what are they gonna do? I mean... <laughs> I, I feel get like off, they, get they off acted... The bridge. Stun I some feel people. like they were more effective than they were when Vatic's people took over. Like... I mean, how many times and how many ways can we say Starfleet people are freaking incompetent? And, you know, speaking of Vatic on the bridge, this this reminds me, I thought of this um, earlier in the, in the discussion. Is it possible that of all the people lined up on the bridge, Vatic is going around and terrorizing people and toying with who am I going to kill? Who am I going to kill? Oh, she 100% realized that she was, she had to keep the young ones alive. And and oh, the Vulcan. I didn't think of that. Yeah, and, that's and, that's why the slaughter. That's why all the the crew all become fortified because she'd slaughtered all the people over a certain age, and that's why she kills the the Vulcan woman and not uh, the others, the youngins. Yeah, Mura and Esmar they are kept alive, but Tavine, although looks like she is quite possibly within the range, she is Vulcan, so yeah, she's so probably she's probably much older. So yeah. she's got to go because she could be a problem after the assimilation. 
So looking back on it, I think that's exactly why she chose who she chose. Yeah. Uh, everyone starts. Everyone starts changing, uh, and our heroes realize that they need to beat feet, uh, get off the bridge, and find a way to get off the ship. We get the other wonderful data moment where Jordy realizes he has to get to his girls because they are in trouble. And Data has to physically grab him and yell in his face to get him to stop and realize that he can't just go charging off. It's not going to do any good. They need a plan. That that emotion coming off of, of Data in that exchange, another, another brilliant moment. And also a great moment from, uh, from LeVar as well with that, that fear that he had in him. Agreed. Mm-hmm. No, no, nothing really got? to say about it. I mean, it was, it was, it was Move good. on. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's get to them on the turbo lift. We're, Saying, we're, like, we've got to get to maintenance, deck, whatever, whatever. And then Picard immediately says, hey, everybody, Borgo <laughs> babies, meet us in the maintenance bay so that we can be killed by you. Don't what? tell anyone. <laughs> to everyone who can hear me, make your way to the, the, the maintenance deck. Not having Shaw look at him and say, you know everyone heard that, right? Like, what was the thought process there? Yeah, that 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 one didn't make sense. I mean, it makes you wonder, is he also under the influence <laughs> of the queen? Or is he just that stupid? Uh, it, it, was, it was a bit of a rash decision. At... I don't think anyone said this, but you guys check me. When they got there, when when the Borg officers arrived on the maintenance deck and started shooting at them, did no one said, how'd they find us, right? No, they just no. immediately okay, started taking cover. <laughs> and so so then we get to Shaw's night, uh, death scene. What do we yeah. think? Um, I think that for a guy that I solidly had pegged as dying in episode two, he ends his time in the season as the person that I most wish we had seen more of. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't always a nice guy, but he wasn't God ever a damn nice it. Guy. <laughs> did, did, did he absolutely nail it with this role? Every episode. Yes, yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stashwick absolutely killed it. And, when you start out as unlikable as he did at the beginning of the season and you get to the end of the season and people are upset that you died because they don't get more of your character that's the sign of a solid performance yep um, and, and of course him him finally and it's kind of choking me up right thinking about it him finally mm-hmm. calling her seven of nine which, yeah, I mean, that was a little much for me. That was like, uh, it was so, again, like manipulative. And, and especially because I feel like he would have gotten there sooner. So like the way he so pointedly did not call her seven in the last episode and it felt inauthentic for him to now very pointedly call her seven. Again, it felt a little inauthentic to me. It was, it was... It was a bit much for me. I mean, I, I appreciate what they were doing, but... Uh. It, it was very on the nose. And the instant he got shot, 
I said, well, I know what his last words were. Well, are be. exactly. <laughs> I mean, who did not see that coming? So, yeah. Hmm. I, I had already called that he was going to call her that before the end of the season. Once he got shot, well, and, it was clear, and it was clear that he was going to die. I said, and this is where it's going to be. And even though I knew it was coming, it still worked. Still got you. Both times that I watched the episode, that got a reaction out of me. And my 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 eyes started to mist up because, and I think a lot of it is just from his performance, from the way he, he was able to deliver that line. I also enjoyed the fact that in that line, he gives Seven the ship, which places her in a captain's chair, which perfectly places her for a Star Trek legacy series with her commanding the Titan, with Raffi as her chief of security. While we're dreaming, can I have a pony? <laughs> you think it's not going to happen? You think they're not going to do this? They're absolutely going to do this. I, I will. I'll... Because that could get too expensive. I was going to say, I'll bet you a bottle of scotch to a bottle of rum that I'm right on this. But <laughs> <laughs> I know you're tasting scotch. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I don't see that happening because I don't see the suits at Paramount thinking that a couple of girls could lead a series. I would love to see it. I don't think they'll do it. All right. Well, moving on. Okay. Moving on. So now, yeah. now we've got... Uh, <laughs> Now we've got the perfect excuse for the TNG peeps to be just by themselves on the shuttle. Just, just the TNG the crew. Museum. Yeah. And Jordy says, when, when Worf says one shuttle against the, the Borg Collective, Jordy says, I have an idea. Okay. Well, I know where this is going to go. Yeah, we called that but, weeks ago. Yeah. And, and a lot of people did. To be fair, a lot of fans yeah. knew where this was going. But sure, if they didn't absolutely plow through our uh, our foresight and stick the landing regardless, as though I, I reacted as though I didn't know it was coming, and that was not by choice. That's just how much of a sucker I am for for TNG. But it, it was well done because yeah. you know I think. Probably I'm not the only one who is already starting to tear up, anticipating it coming. Mm -hmm. So it was it was well played. The pacing was good on that. Yeah, it uh, was th the TNG equivalent of the Enterprise flyby in the motion picture. And I know a lot of y'all think that was boring. I I think it could have been longer. But there's the one moment after the long after four flyby of the side where. Kirk shuttle comes around and we see the Enterprise un un unblocked by, by space dock from the front and Jerry Goldsmith's uh, theme goes and that moment just thinking about it still gives me chills and I'm you know and and when seeing it as a kid in the in the movie theater um, I had the same exact reaction when those doors opened and there was the D and <laughs> that i i knew they would be bringing that shit back at some point we all did it was it was inevitable and it still just tore my heart out and showed it to me yeah <laughs> just seeing the silhouette of the neck and just the middle of the saucer section and because we only saw a little bit of silhouette when those doors started to open and that was enough i'm already it i'm already starting as i'm watching the episode both times 
doors open wider, then we start at the top of the saucer and we see the registry. Then the camera pans down, we see the rest of the saucer, and then we get the star drive with the nacelles in the background. And the music, the, the familiar music that we know is rising and the emotion keeps on coming. And then it's the reaction from the crew. She's beautiful, Jordy. Beautiful. Oh, a she is. Yeah. Beautiful. And then and I, I loved how a, Jordy's like, oh, yeah, I've just been tankering with it over the <laughs> like he's building a charger in his backyard. Yeah. Well, yeah, he I, has been working on it for 20 years. Yeah, so. but it's, it's still it's a ship that's, you know, how many thousands of square meters of duranium? I mean, it's it's not like you just pick up a nacelle on on eBay. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is that easy. They have like large scale replicators. And he said in the dialogue that he has drones helping him. All right, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he had drones loading the torpedoes, so I assumed that he had drones working on some of the repair work. He said that the engines and the nacelles came from the, what was it? Syracuse. Syracuse, thank you. I knew Tom would know it. Um, now, the, the star drive section, that might have come from somewhere else, but the nacelles and the engines were from Syracuse. And I would assume that Geordi, being in the position that he's in as a Commodore running the Fleet Museum, he's got connections he can talk to someone over at utopia utopia planitia and say hey um you got any uh galaxy class coming through so yeah actually we're decommissioning the syracuse right now he said i need some nacelles and how about an engine yeah no problem that's how he's doing this that's how he's getting everything but the saucer and i assume he's doing it in his spare time he has a job mm-hmm. but when after hours he's like i'm gonna go put in some time on the d start building that back up again and and now it's gorgeous and wharf being a party pooper will it fly <laughs> why are you going to ask a question like that you think that jordy's going to bring you here if if it's not going to fly wharf is just just being a gloomy gust the whole Check time out my killer fort dudes <laughs> <laughs> no we can't use this against the borg i just figured this would be a cool place to hang out while we you know wait for death <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, I mean. Yeah, it, it will be a cool place to hang out. And it'll be a place that they can hang out and see each other clearly in a brilliantly well-lit bridge <laughs> that looks exactly the same. Not only was I getting teary-eyed as they're, they're you know, putting their hands upon the console when the camera lingers on the dedication plaque at the starboard four of the bridge... Everything that we saw on that bridge was making me cry. Mm-hmm. So much so that I was crying watching the ready room for this episode. With Will and Michael Kuda touring the, the, the bridge. And while we all have our you know, mild to not so mild criticisms of, of Will Wheaton and how he hosts the ready room, I think he did a wonderful job this episode and being able to relate to will as far as i he spent a lot of time on that set as a young actor we spent a lot of time on that set watching it throughout the course of the the series run and in the years since and wishing so badly that we could be where he is being able to sit on that bridge if there's ever an open to the public, screen accurate reproduction of the bridge that people can tour publicly, um, 
Rick, help me out. What's the name of the, the you 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 went to a recreation of the TOS bridge? In it, yeah, it's in it's in Georgia. It's it, they they call it the neutral zone now. It's where where they shot uh, Star Trek Continues. Right. Um, if there's, there's also, something, there's also the Star Trek Museum in Ticonderoga, New York, which is the yeah, CBS approved yes. one. If they make a full um, reproduction that people that the public can tour. If I ever go, I'm going to need to bring one, maybe two people with me that I trust who will be able to carry me out when I'm overcome with emotion for being on that bridge. Well, there used to be one. I've been in it, and that was at the Star Trek experience. But Oh, you and your you Star Trek experience <laughs> people who actually got to see it. <laughs> but you couldn't actually you, – the, the, you just walked through it. You could only walk upstage of the, of the horseshoe. You couldn't go and, like – wander through the through the, the set or anything. You couldn't go down to the well. You only had to be up no. at the to up in the, the science stations and the tech lame. Yeah. I want to go everywhere. I want to open all the doors. <laughs> so let me see the ready room. I want to go to the battle bridge. It's that door right over there. I know it. I want to go to the bathroom. It's that door over there. I know it is. Uh, starboard side aft of the bridge right across from the observation lounge door. That's where the bathroom is. So anytime you see People Anytime you see an extra, don't use the bathroom. They just beam it out. Exactly. <laughs> that was most of what O'Brien did when he was just. That, <laughs> that's how the Titan crew got. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the, something the, out, something in. Yeah, <laughs> waste ex, waste extraction was leaving a little something behind. Their bladder yeah. was assimilated, and then the rest of it. it see, it <laughs> all <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Okay, ship long time, uh, with the appearance of the. Enterprise D, was that, I mean, wasn't the uh, bridge from Generations different than the series? Mm-hmm. And did they... It was bigger. Well, I mean, didn't they have uh, stations on the side? The, they they installed additional stations on either side, and they changed the paneling for the, the, the film bridge. Yeah. In generations, yeah, there were there were modifications. This is a pre-generations replica. So apparently, Jordy did not like the changes that they made. Yeah, Jordy right just right. went old school. Is it? You, you know what? We don't need these extra consoles. I don't know why they put them in here in the first place. They got in the way. Beam them, take them out. <laughs> Taking these chairs out because hell with them. So a good good catch. I didn't I didn't think of that, but but yeah, they they classed it up. It was also darker in the movie. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, they t- they took out some bridge lights for for the movie, <laughs> and Jordy put those back too. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, I is and according oh, to according to Neek's comic, this is uh, the the last emotional gut punch that undid everyone. It certainly did me. I was already a mess. This is where the sobs began yeah. for me is when Picard tells the system to begin, um, like I think, like pre-launch uh, procedures. And the system says, uh, the USS Enterprise now under the command of Captain Jean-Luc Picard in the voice of Major Barrett's computer. Mm-hmm. That was yep. so awesome. Yeah. And I lost it. Now here's the question. Here's a, que- it, a question that makes absolutely no difference. Do you think that was reused audio? Because that that exact line was used in 
I know chain of command. Oh, well, then that's where it was pulled from. I saw it, it somewhere. It was either they pulled that line from chain of command or they used the same wording, but they used like an AI with all of uh, the recordings that they have of Majel Barrett. There is enough. I read this years ago that there are enough recordings of her as the computer that a full AI voice could be constructed from her. She just also, from the recordings she did. She also did specific recordings for that purpose before she died. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. So the fact that we don't yet have a voice for Alexa speakers or for Siri that's in her voice. I, I tweeted about this years ago. Say, put out uh, uh, an application, an iPad app that would reskin it. It basically a user interface that you could overlay on top of your iPad to make it an LCARS interface and install Majel Barrett's voice as your Siri, Apple will make all the money. <laughs> you don't have to invent anything ever again because you'll have all the money. Well, I mean, there, there, there used to be celebrity voices you could get for your GPS units and then they went away. I'm, I'm wondering if it wasn't making all the money and the stars weren't getting enough uh, back on the amount of work they had to do to get to record all of these things. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just I'm just guessing. For, but I for think... me, I would I would think there would be a difference between the number of Star Trek fans who want uh, an Elcar's iPad that sounds like the computer that they grew up with, and uh, your Garmin on your dash sounding like uh, Snoop. Snoop Dogg giving me directions on how to get someplace and have made Joe Barrett on my iPad. Very different things. <laughs> you know, from, and, and again, this is pure speculation, but from what I've heard about Ms. Barrett, um, she may have specifically stipulated, you can use my voice in the show, but I don't, I don't want to be looking down from a cloud and hear my voice coming out of somebody's iPad. <laughs> and if that was uh, a condition that she put in, then, you know, respect it, but I'll be very, very sad. I, I just I, I understand what you're saying and I agree. Given our given the state of technology and the the level of capitalism we live under, if this was an idea that would make all the money, as you put it, uh, very um, very well put, uh, I think they would have done it. I think there's there's got to be some reason why we aren't seeing more things like that. The L cars thing. They're, they're, it's out there. I mean, you've made your own Elcar's displays, so it's not like they need to to market that. Why the voices aren't out there, I don't know. So remember how we said we wouldn't have any tangents on this episode? Well, I mean, obviously we knew that was a lie when it when it was first spoken. And that's <laughs> that's post editing tangents. <laughs> yeah. What, what, when John is done with this, there will have been no tangents whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Obviously. So have we covered all uh, all your notes and all of Sean's notes? Um, Sean did have a couple notes that I wanted to uh, loop back to. First off, and some of these I think are pretty quick and easy questions. Um, uh, Kestra, has Kestra been assimilated? Probably. Probably. But it seems that no one cares because no one's asking about it. But I would assume that she has been assimilated. Has Elnor been assimilated? Who cares? Absolutely. 
cares? Oh, I, I mean, care, and uh, the answer sorry, is yes. I, I mean, I mean, yes, yes. He 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 was absolutely assimilated. Now I thought uh, Elnor. Well, Elnor may have been assimilated or not, but if he was still on the, uh, the Excelsior, then he gone. Oh shoot! He was being posted to the Excelsior, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Now, my daughter, yeah. who was who just—I mean, her she just was in love with Space Legolas. Um, she was very distraught when I pointed that out, but then quickly turned around and said, "No, he was going back to his home planet." Oh, I, I don't recall that, but yeah, I, ne neither do I. I must have missed it, which is not hard to believe because it's Elnor. I will admit to not having paid all that much attention. Uh, Sean also asks, how is Seven being affected by the mass assimilation? I think we saw she's not being affected very much at all. The the residual Borg implants that she has, I think they're just mechanical. I think at this point they probably don't have a lot to do with nanoprobes and whatever it is. She's also old enough to resist the, the uh, assimilation plan. She could hear the, the signal and it gave her a little bit of a headache. But other than that, I've, I think she is aged out of the program that the Borg are putting into effect. Uh, can seven people effectively run a galaxy-class starship? Jordy specifically say it, said he had drones. So the answer is yes. Well, he mm -hmm. said he had drones loading torpedoes. But, I mean... Presumably the drones can do other things as well. Besides, we know you only need one person to run a starship. I mean, that... <laughs> that uh, episode remember me made that clear yeah <laughs> uh, if if the doctor can run a ship on her own and if wait one two three four four people can operate a constitution class ship because is jury rigged like a christmas tree so don't give me any bumps yep and a monkey and two trainees could run it <laughs> a chimpanzee oh yeah two trainees could run it thank you yeah. And, and besides, out of the seven people that they get on this galaxy-class starship, through normally a thousand, how many of them are actually doing anything? There's three. Jordy, Data, and Worf are the only ones who have something to do. I mean, they had Beverly to be the one to report that all systems running, I had a total flashback to Galaxy Quest. Yep. At that I have point. one job on this lousy <laughs> ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. Okay? <laughs> I mean, when she said that, I'm like, how would she know? What is she doing? Because she could look at a console. <laughs> Can I just throw in a bit of trivia here? The One of Roddenberry's original ideas for TNG was that the ship ran itself and the crew was utterly superfluous to the operation of the ship. And people convinced him that that was really not a good idea. Yeah, but, right, but, but indeed, I mean, I don't think you really need that many people to run a starship because, you know, they don't have to do a lot of maintenance on this ship. They don't have to do science projects. Yeah, they're, they're not they doing any... to fly to the solar system and blow up the up. Borg. They're, so, not yeah, running, they're not running Borg experiments in astrometrics. Data they're, can pilot and whatever. It's they're not neat. running the school. They don't really need to run sickbay. The stellar cartography, don't need anyone running that. The Arboretum, who cares? The bowling alley is, you know, the pin this, setters are on their own. They're... At this point, the ship is a museum. You're going to use it 
trying to find a way to fight the Borg, you need someone who can make the ship move. That's Data. No, no, that's that's Jordy. You need someone to make the ship move. That's Jordy. You need someone to operate some science stuff. That's Data. And you need someone to fire the guns. That's Worf. The rest of them are so, just going to be sitting around. But then the answer is yes. Next question. Yes, they can't. Tom, you're not allowed to speak. Um, and Sean <laughs> says, and for the love of the gods, address the people online saying Shelby got shot in the shoulders. Shelby is dead. End of story. Don't listen to Will Wheaton and Jonathan Frakes and Elizabeth Dennehy on the ready room who were trying to keep alive this whole, maybe might she come back? Because we didn't necessarily see, shut up, she's dead. She's dead. It's the only way that that little arc, that little cameo can work. If she comes back, the instant that she hears Picard say the word Borg, you see it written all over her face. We're all going to die. That's what she had on her face. And then two crew members turn around and they shoot her and the transmission is lost. She's dead. Sorry to all the Shelby lovers. So if if Seven of Nine was able to bring Neelix back to life with her nanoprobes, how come she can't bring Shaw back to life? My head can't my head cannon says that she has had the nanoprobes removed. That she no longer has the the Borg capabilities that she had when she was on Voyager. It's purely headcanon, but but that's my assumption. After this long, she has probably given up some of those extra bells and whistles. Remind me, it's been so long since I've seen Voyager. Um, was it, did she just like assimilate him and he came back to life or did the doctor have to do something or? I don't recall the specifics. Yeah. I mean, the episode was more about Neelix's existential crisis than, you know, what Seven was doing. But whatever. My point is just that no death is ever necessarily oh, yeah. final in Star Trek. Unless it's for dramatic purposes. Seven like may have been like, buy ticket. <laughs> Call me handsome one more time. <laughs> ah, nice. Um, no. Shelby's dead. Get over it. That's just how it is. She's not gonna. She's not gonna make a miraculous recovery and retake the Enterprise F and fly to the rescue. It's not gonna happen. So that's gonna take us to the end of this particular discussion. Does anyone have any last thing they want to say? Sorry, we've gone too long. We're out of time. Tom, what you got? When you see the fleet several times, this was a question in my house. When the the star the Starfleet Armada, they show it like big pan shot which we get was, twice unnecessarily yes yes what's that formation supposed to be anything i mean they almost looked like they were skywriting it looked like that and i was trying to figure out are they trying to spell something no it's just really odd shapes of the formations and i could not understand it i that formation made no sense to me i had the same thought i just I, I didn't bring it up on the show, but it, it confused the hell out of me. Why are we going to have, like, what, eight clusters of ships all really close together? How is that going to help with defense? It's if, an air show. It doesn't have to make sense. It just looks good. If, if they're making that formation because it looks pretty, then fine. If it's an example of their defensive formation, then it's dumb as rocks. See, we have the wrong uh, perspective on it. From Earth, you look up and you're going to see... You know, across the sky, you know, kiss your ass. Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone else? No? Good. John's going to hate us. Um, 
let's go around the table and tell people where you can be found. Neek, where can people find you online? You can find me at superanemic.com, where I recap Star Trek. You can also find me on Facebook at superanemic. The most supportive webcomic anywhere that shows that there are zero faults in Star Trek. Tom, do you have anything that you want to share with everyone? You can find me here. That's about it. (laughs) That's about it. And Rick, where can people find you online? It's Tech Week. You can find me by whatever's making coffee. (laughs) And as for myself, you can find me here hosting this very show. You can find me occasionally on Captain Game Show. uh, Also here on the Infinite Potato Network. And you can find me on Cosmic Potato, where we are taking our time in covering classic 90s sci-fi series sliders Uh, in addition to all this podcasting stuff you can visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com and check out some of my graphic artwork that i do uh on commission and for fun that is going to bring us to the end of this episode we thank everyone for listening for downloading for hopefully subscribing and please come back next week and join us as we discuss discuss the season and series finale of Star Trek Picard Season 3 Episode 10 The Last Generation Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast.